Welcome to Eastern Carolina Farming. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. Our guest on today's program is the most bullish person in our state about North Carolina agriculture. He's convinced that ag in our state, which was $93 billion in 2021, will soon be a $100 billion industry in North Carolina. This week's show, we'll chat with North Carolina's Commissioner of Agriculture, Steve Troxler. Jeff Turner and I will ask him about what he told the North Carolina Joint Meeting of Ag Committees last week. We'll talk about what planning prognostications he may have access to. And, and you should know that when Jeff and I talk to Commissioner Troxler, we don't follow a script or even brief him on what we're going to talk about. He's always a good sport, and he enjoys the give and take. I mentioned Jeff Turner. Jeff is the COO of Murphy Family Ventures, was in the same capacity with Murphy Farms, and is a decades-long member of the North Carolina Board of Ag. And most importantly, for my purpose, he's my co-host. So, through the magic of radio, we'll hook up with our Pink Hill Studios. Welcome, Jeff Turner. Hey, good Monday to you, Dan, and I hope you're well. I am well. As the sands go through the hourglass, so do the days of our lives. Thank you, McDonald Carey. You couldn't have said it better. It, it is a soap opera, by the way. <laughs> it is a soap opera, because I'm going to talk about Russia and the Ukraine. They're looking like they're going to get 37% of the harvest out this fall due to lower planted acres, lower yields, according to the National Academy of Agricultural Sciences in the Ukraine. And then getting it out, Russia said just last Thursday that they don't believe that the deal on the Black Sea port is being implemented very well, raising doubts of whether they're going to want to allow an extension of that deal, which comes up, I think, in like in the next seven days. Regardless of whether it's good or bad, it's going to be bad. They're going to try to make a problem out of it. So it comes with a heavy price tag. Things are getting difficult in the U.K. with the cutback of natural gas from Russia. Between the green energy policy they have over in Europe, especially the U.K., along with what's happened with natural gas and oil, they are refiring their coal plants. Imagine that. Never you know, we, we go all these years and talk about how bad the coal plants are, and we're going to do all this. Uh, we're doing wood chips, and we're doing wind, and we're doing solar, and we're doing natural gas. Everybody's plugging in those EVs, I guess. They're having to go back and fire those coal plants up again. Well, you know, everything that's old is new again, and that falls into this, which is the stores in the U.K. are limiting purchase of tomatoes, cucumbers, and peppers. So now what's going on is that the seed prices are skyrocketing and demand for home-planted gardens in the U.K. higher than it's been in like 50 years. It's not unknown. They have been hungry before. Again, this craziness, the, the whole the whole idea of how in, in the EU, how, how you have to uh, provide play toys for animals inside their pinning and that sort of thing. They have to have so many feet of square feet of pinning. I, I understand part of that's good. I, I got it. You go to the extreme, just like they've done with their power. You're going to go hungry and you're going to be cold. Just last week, the U.S. Department of Agriculture released proposed rules outlining a new requirement to better align with product of the USA label, which consumers interpreted as from the USA. That, according to studies the U.S. Department of Agriculture made, so now the proposed rule allows a voluntary product of the USA or made in the USA on meat, poultry, or eggs that actually are animals born in the U.S., raised in the U.S., slaughtered in the U.S., and processed in the U.S. as it was before any animal or protein substance that had significant transformation, which could be as insignificant as trimming, rewrapping, and then repacking, could carry the label. 
It's a great thing. I think people need to understand where their food comes from. Grown right here in the good old USA is a pretty good deal. I was in the supermarket. I, actually, I was in the food line yesterday and happened to be in the frozen food section. One particular producer, and I'd love to get up with him down the, down the road, actually has blueberries, peaches, frozen, all product of North Carolina, and they have the farmer's story that is a major contributor to uh, what's in the bag. I thought that was really cool. I've not seen that before, and I applaud it. Having the face of the folks where the food came from on the label is great for marketing. And it, again, tells that story. Good for agriculture and understanding the fact that the food comes from someplace other than the loading dock of the the grocery store. Coming up in today's program, we're going to drill down into agriculture, right, Jeff? Absolutely. we got Commissioner Troxler, who will be joining us and talking about uh, his his latest appearance before the House and Senate Ag Committees, talking about the needs of agriculture going forward in this year's budget. This is Talk 96.3 and 1037's Eastern Carolina Farming. I'm Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner, and we're joined by the Commissioner of Agriculture, Steve Troxler. Jeff, uh, why don't you go ahead and begin the questioning? It's uh, about to be planting time again, and so I, I know uh, farmers are interested in what's looking like going forward. What are you seeing out there with tobacco and those sorts of things, the different commodities? Obviously, tobacco seems to be on the decline. What are you hearing? Well, you know, in actuality, if things pan out like I've been told, we may actually plant a little more tobacco this year than we have been. And there's some favorable things going on for our tobacco industry in the state, so I would say that we're at least stable if maybe and maybe have turned the corner toward inching up again. So uh, I feel pretty good about that. I think the main thing is watching input costs. It seems that some of the input costs are coming down now, particularly fertilizer. But, you know, we'll see long term how that holds. Uh, and there's probably going to be a little variation in crops planted this year. We won't know till the end of the month what the planting projections are, but I would say just in early forecasting that most of the crops will be stable, and with the exception of cotton. Price for cotton is down, so we would expect some cotton acreages to be transferred to other crops. And what I'm reading from USDA, the probability is that there is going to be a decrease uh, in pricing of commodities, but they're going to remain well above what they have been historically. Commissioner, you uh, spoke in front of a joint committees of agriculture last week for our House and Senate committees. You highlighted three different areas, and I'd like to tick them off and get uh, what you said to the legislators. One is the need to preserve farmland in the wake of the strong growth that we had in this state. And what I told them was that uh, we're going to get to the point of diminishing returns if we don't strengthen the farmland preservation program that we have in North Carolina, and the numbers don't lie. When it comes to population, we've got two cities, uh, Raleigh and Charlotte, that rank in the top 15 in the nation, Raleigh at number two, Charlotte at number six. The state as a whole ranks number three as far as adding population. 
you can see it everywhere you drive in the state of North Carolina, and particularly the, the routes that I take between Greensboro and Raleigh is unbelievable development. So preserving that farmland is absolutely essential that we do it right now. Don't wait, because once it goes, you can't get it back. Uh, and there's more to it than, you know, than just preserving the farms and the farmlands. And, and I made the case that every time we put a rooftop in in the Piedmont and we build a road and put a business in, put in infrastructure, we're speeding up water flow. We've been talking about flooding in North Carolina, particularly eastern North Carolina now for quite some time. And unless we do some things to address this population growth and taking forest and farmland out, then, you know, the flooding is only going to get worse. There's no question about it. So uh, we need to preserve these farms and be very particular about how we do growth. We need smart growth. There's no question. But the, the American Farmland Trust says that North Carolina is second in the nation and the probability of losing farms and forest land by the year 2040. They're saying at current growth rates, we'd lose another uh, 1.1 million acres, about 13% of what we have. And environmentally, is agriculture is already offsetting 26% of the carbon emissions in North Carolina. And the, the main uh, emissions are automobiles and power. I, I, well, I thought it was cows that was causing all those methane emissions. <laughs> uh, I, I really do have to laugh when somebody says that. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. How can we offset if we don't have this green and growing economy in agriculture and agribusiness? At the point that you that, that you make with regard to rooftops, infrastructure, concrete pavement, all those things, people find that hard to understand that for every rooftop you, you put up to the west of 95, all that water comes east. We're creating a cesspool if we don't correct it, if we don't do something about it, regulate it. I, I, and I'm the last person to call for regulations, but you got to look at what's really happening in our environment. And it's not good for eastern North Carolina, in my opinion. No, uh, it, it is not. And I gave them the example of uh, the widening of Interstate 40 between Chapel Hill and the I-40-85 split. Uh, we're taking out a wide grass median that used to collect water, and water went into the ground to a, to a good extent, and it's all going to be concrete. And the, the contractor has done an absolutely wonderful job at stopping sediment. But as soon as they pour that whole thing over with concrete, that water is going to be sped up unbelievably. So it's the difference of having an inch of rain over 12 hours and an inch of rain in 10 minutes. But that's, that's kind of what we're doing. And the water is going to go to eastern North Carolina. There's no, you know, no collection point, no way to, to release it slowly. So, you know, that's got to be a major, major consideration as we absorb all of this growth in especially the Piedmont of North Carolina. Hang on, everybody. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with the Commissioner of Agriculture in the state of North Carolina, the Honorable Steve Troxler. Thanks in part to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, financing rural North Carolina for generations, lending solutions for farms, land, and homes, personalized for you. 
Ag Carolina Farm Credit, giving you room to grow. Talk 96.3 and 103.7's Eastern Carolina Farming. I'm Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner, joined on this Monday by the Honorable Steve Troxler, Commissioner of Agriculture in the state of North Carolina. Addressing the Joint Ag Committees last week, Commissioner, you also brought up money for research in agriculture. One farmer is now feeding 175 people. That's got to increase. And uh, to increase it, there's only one way to do it, and that's ag research. The one thing that I know is if we're going to have less farmland, that's a given. Probably going to have less water, that's pretty much a given. And going to have less inputs or higher inputs. The, the farmer's constant is the weather. It's always too hot. It's always too cold. It's always too dry. And it's always too wet. That's our constant. But agricultural research can spread out some of the bumps as far as drought uh, even too much water, but productivity, you know, we're going to have to continue to raise it if we're going to feed the people in the world. Both of those points have been uh, parts of what you've been talking about for a number of years. Here's one that is uh, a little bit more uh, concerning and, well, at least now and a little new. Jeff brought it up just a week or so ago on this program is the challenges the department's having in, in retaining people, hiring new people, and the number of vacancies you've got to deal with. That is my number one priority at the legislature, and it's absolutely awful. Uh, I told them last week when I spoke that there's a lot of people that have invested a lot of uh, not only money, but time and, and sweat equity and making this one of the best departments of value, if not the best. Right now, I've got 278 vacancies in the department. Many of them are high-level positions that uh, are expensive, and I'm not competitive to fill them. To give you an example, we've got the the lab that is probably nothing else like it in the country, but I'm having so much trouble hiring pathologists, med tech. Then uh, on the vet side, there's much more demand for veterinarians right now, so I'm having trouble with that. And We've got a, a diagnostic lab in Elkin that is particularly in tune with uh, poultry. I'm going to have to stop doing necropsies or animal autopsies up there because my lab director left because somebody doubled his salary to over $200,000 a year. So I've got to close that part of that lab down until I figure out how to hire qualified person to run that lab, and that's what's going on all across the department and all across state government. It's a problem everywhere we look, and the workforce continues to age. You look over your shoulder, you don't see many people coming behind. That's that's a problem not only for state government, but obviously for private enterprise as well. I, I wonder if any of those services might be uh, the mechanic situation that you have, you and I have talked about before. Is there a way to, can you farm that out to private enterprise somehow? Well, Andy, you can do anything for more money. We mentioned, uh, aircraft mechanics and helicopter mechanics, and there's two problems with that. Number one, it's more expensive to get it done outside. But timeliness, uh, if I've got a helicopter that breaks down and we're in fire season, I need to fix that helicopter right now, and I don't need, you know, to wait a month to get it fixed. 
So, you know, that part of it is is awfully difficult. And the end result on some of this stuff, especially lab work, uh, number one, we want to be on the spot to find animal diseases to stop it. Can we do it? Yeah, probably so. Can we do it timely? Probably not. Uh, and can we be efficient in doing uh, diagnostic testing particularly? No, we can't. It was a year ago, I think, we were having the same conversation, and we talked about highly pathogenic avian influenza and uh, how bad it might be. I don't think anybody thought egg prices would jump as high as they have. We've been lucky in North Carolina, but it, it's been a worldwide major situation. It certainly has. I'm not going to say lucky. I'm going to say that the industry has done a very good job with biosecurity, uh, and I think the department has a role to play in that. We have been preparing for HPAI outbreaks for years now after the first outbreak in the Midwest. So we did have nine uh, commercial operations that got it, but we jumped on it very, very quickly, did the biosecurity things that we needed to do, depopulated and and got the houses back in, in operation. But uh, it's something that we have been planning for, and if there's another state in the nation that's prepared to have high-path AI outbreak, I don't know who they are. And uh, I am so proud of the vet division and emergency programs and the work that they have put into it and the equipment that we have developed and purchased along the way to be able to handle this. We've done as good as we can do, I think, with it, but, you know, it could be tomorrow that we have a huge outbreak. And eggs, uh, you know, people could not understand why egg prices went up as high as they did, but it was simply the, the layer flocks were just decimated by high-path AI and but now that uh, things have kind of caught back up and the, the layers have been replaced, they, uh, I think they hit a high of about 538 a dozen at the beginning of the year. They're down to about 227 now. And before all of this started, they were about 225. So, you know, everything has kind of gone back to somewhat normal after the flocks have been replaced. Hang on, Jeff and Commissioner. We'll be right back with more on Eastern Carolina Farming here on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7's Eastern Carolina Farming. Thanks in part to Donna Byram with First Choice Insurance Partners. Call Donna today at 252-792-1189. Let her protect your yield so you can stay in the field. I'm Dan Miller, joined by Jeff Turner on Eastern Carolina Farming, and we're both joined by Steve Troxler, the Commissioner of Agriculture in North Carolina. Commissioner, you've said before, prior to COVID, and a couple of times after, that you think we're going to get to a $100 billion industry in agriculture in the state of North Carolina. I caught that in an interview recently, so you seem optimistic. You know, I've got my fingers crossed that 2022 may be the year, and uh, there are a number of factors, but... We had, for the most part, good production numbers. We had uh, prices that were good. And even factoring into that, the high input costs are figured into uh, agribusiness on that side. And then there was inflation that figured into it. So I'm, I got my fingers crossed. Uh, it very well could happen. But the trick is going to be we can't keep losing farmland and farmers and maintain that $100 billion level. 
So as we look forward to the General Assembly, how, how do you feel about the appeal that you made regarding the, uh, the the farmland preservation dollars as well as the entire budget that you request that you made? Do you feel pretty good about it? or the state is in really good financial shape, and uh, and I made the you know made the pitch that what I'm asking for is investment in the future. We cannot do the things that we need to do in the state uh, without investing. When you get these population increases, we've seen normally that means that business is good, tax revenues are good. But you make the decision while you've got this money to invest in the future, and and that means infrastructure. Talk about the floods, uh, but road infrastructure has got to be taken care of. And having rolling blackouts in North Carolina on Christmas Eve, uh, that's, that can't happen. Unfortunately, that comes with the cost with higher electric bills, but that's got to be done. And and long term, too, uh, you know, we talked about flooding, but in 2007 and 2011, we had massive droughts. And I think the city of Raleigh got down to about a 30 or 40 day supply of water. And think of the people that we have added to Raleigh since then. Charlotte was fighting with the state of South Carolina over the water that was in the Catawba River. So, uh, we get a drought, uh, you know, the question is, where's the water going to come from? So it's time to make investments in uh, people, make investments in infrastructure, and make these investments in agricultural research. Everything will be fine. Commissioner, if you want to use this as a platform to announce you're uh, running for another term, you just go right ahead. <laughs> uh, well, I have got these little things I've got to work out before I make an announcement. I still love, absolutely love what I do every day, and I'm giving it everything I have for the people of the state. And the one thing we haven't talked about is the Farm Bill. We are now coming up on another Farm Bill and discussions of that, and it's always a not only a Farm Bill, but a discussion of nutrition programs. And, and this time uh, – uh, I'm, I'm scared that we're going to go into a, a lot of climate change discussions, and that's fine. As long as farmers are getting paid for the work they're already doing in, in conservation work, and, the, and like North Carolina, the 26% of the carbon that we are sequestering in ag, all that's fine. But the main thing is we've got to manage risks uh, on farms in a way that farmers can survive, We've got to make sure there's profitability in agriculture. And beyond that in a farm bill, we'll see what happens. You're talking about the federal farm bill, right? Yeah, I am. Yep. Got it. Good. Commissioner, thank you for your time today. Oh, it was very enjoyable. You've been listening to Jeff Turner and I talking with the Commissioner of Agriculture in North Carolina, Steve Troxler. As if to emphasize a point that the Commissioner made in our conversation today, I don't have weekly ending numbers from the markets to share on this Monday. And the reason for that, the person who compiles that information on vacation on Friday, and there's no number two to fill in at the Department of Agriculture. So that's this week's Eastern Carolina Farming. If you miss a show, play the podcast on demand at ecfarming.com. There you'll find links to our sponsors, Ag Carolina Farm Credit, 
First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Eastern Carolina Farming is a production of Interbanks Media. If you have a farming topic you'd like to see us drill into, send me an email, dan at ecfarming.com. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, have a great week.